You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm going solo and I'm talking about exercise. I've received so many questions from you all over the past few years about how to exercise, what's my best advice, what do I suggest, what do I think about cardio, strength training, body weight exercises, yoga, Pilates, on and on it goes. And so I wanted to do a quick episode where I broke down my thoughts around all of these types of exercise, when and where I think things are most appropriate, and how I do it. So let's jump in. First off, I think that strength training is the king and queen of all exercises. The reason being is we need muscle mass. Muscle mass is absolutely critical. It is an actual organ system, and it does all kinds of amazing things for us. Muscle, in my opinion, is basically a suit of armor. It's insurance. It's health insurance. Think of it that way. So muscle, building muscle and having good muscle on your body, particularly focusing on the big muscle groups like the gluteus muscles, the quads, and the hamstrings, these muscles of the legs and the buttocks are really insurance to protect you against a myriad of things that could go wrong, most notably metabolic syndrome, diabetes, blood sugar dysregulation, low back pain, uh, inflammation, the list goes on and on. I'm going to do a standalone episode on why muscle is so critical. But for now, just trust me, you want to build skeletal muscle. The best way to do this is through strength training and resistance training, which means you're lifting weights. This isn't bodybuilding necessarily. This is simply strength training. Very different beasts. I know that aesthetically bodybuilding looks different than people who train for strength, but training for strength is what's going to get you through life. And we don't want to overdo it, but we want to definitely be committing ourselves to some type of resistance training a few times a week. The way that I do it is I warm up for about 10, 20 minutes, because I'm in my late 40s, and my body needs a little bit of uh, lubrication, if you will, to get moving. (laughs) So I got to warm up. I didn't used to warm up and I hurt myself. So I do a nice warm up, I lift for about 40 minutes, I'm not trying to kill myself. I'm not trying to do CrossFit. I'm not trying to win the CrossFit games. I'm not trying to throw giant barbells of massive weight over my head. I'm simply lifting some weights in a safe way. And I'm doing that for about 40 minutes. Two to three times a week is ideal. I will admit, sometimes I take some time off. I do not have the most awesome orthopedic system. I have some joint issues. This is very much my own fault. I was a gymnast as a child, so I did some damage there. But more importantly, I was anorexic and had an eating disorder as a young teenager. And I think that going vegetarian when I was 14, without really knowing what I was doing and actually just becoming a mac and cheese-itarian, coupled with chain smoking through my young life uh, for a few years there, really did some damage to my cartilage. And every single time I look at my cartilage under ultrasound or a colleague does, they say, well, your cartilage is pretty thin. Yeah, that's pretty much around my whole body is the story. So I think I did some damage to myself through my own poor nutrition as a young person. It was self-inflicted. I regret it. But here we are. So I want to train until I'm old, very old. I want to train up till my last days on earth. I keep that at top of mind. I used to chase numbers on the barbell. I used to try to put on more weight than I was capable of handling too fast, too much, 
PRing too much. A PR is a personal record or person, you know, personal best. And uh, I, you know, my ego got in the way. My Type A personality got in the way because training can be very cathartic, and it's much like therapy in a lot of ways, and it requires a high level of concentration. So it's very meditative, and I did some damage to myself when I first started lifting. So my advice is and always has been hire a coach. This is a sport. There's a lot of opportunity for injury. I, as someone who took care of orthopedic complaints for a living for well over a decade, understand how easy it is for people to hurt themselves and all the different mechanisms of how they most frequently do it. And I'll tell you, deadlifting and squatting with poor form, with too much weight, without a lot of control is a sure way to really injure yourself. Done appropriately and correctly, they are, you know, deadlifts are probably one of the best exercises you can do for your body. However, they need to be done correctly. So please don't just watch a video and go do it. Please don't just mamsy pamsy it and think, oh, well, you know, I, I lifted weights in high school with my with my football coach, so I know what I'm doing. Your football coach probably didn't know what he was doing when he was coaching you. So I highly encourage you to hire somebody, especially if you're 40 and over. Find someone who knows how to train 40 and over people because we are different than 25-year-olds. And it's important that you have somebody on your team who can not only acknowledge what some of your limitations might be orthopedically, but also hormonally. I think a lot of coaches don't really take into consideration or have an understanding of the endocrine system and how it does impact our training. And so that's important. The other reason we want to coach is because we want to have progress and you're going to find yourself not getting a lot of progress if you don't have somebody writing programs out for you. So I'm going to leave it at that. That's my disclaimer. I want you to definitely hire a coach if you want to be safe and effective and have some gains because that's the best part about strength training is the muscle gains. The muscle gains are so critical for absolutely every system in your body to run in a more healthy fashion. And think of it this way, of all our organ systems in our body, the one that we can actively have an impact on and actively build is muscle. And when we build muscle, we increase the volume of our mitochondria. We increase the amount of uh, mass that contains GLUT4 receptors, meaning it sucks up excess glucose in the body. So we are actively combating metabolic syndrome. We decrease inflammation because of the excretion of myokines, and there's hormonal benefits. There's all kinds of benefits. Most notably, there's immune benefits. And with frailty being probably the biggest factor in who goes down from COVID or not, and it's not about just COVID. I'm actually pretty sick about, I'm I'm sick of talking about COVID. It's all disease, you guys. It's all diseases. This isn't just a COVID phenomenon. We knew that muscle mass was protective against all causes of mortality and morbidity, really. But it's just not something that's popular because you have to work for it. It's not a pill or a shot or some kind of government mandated band-aid. It's something you have to actively work for. And it's not something you can accomplish in two weeks of crushing it. It's something you have to commit to slowly but surely for years. It's something you have to eat for and sleep for and actually allocate as something of importance to you to get any kind of progress. And so considering most Americans are not down with that idea and would prefer a nanny state and to have the government take care of them and the government save them, and they don't want to be responsible for anything that's happening in their own health or their own lives, which is exactly how the government seems to want it in most countries happening today, 
strength training is really not that, you know, it's not considered top of a top of the tiers of importance in people's lives. And I'm telling you, it should be strength training is critical. I, I may take a few weeks off of my training at times because I need to let my joints rest. And I found that taking two weeks off is really helpful for me. Uh, it allows my joint pain to quiet down. It allows me to feel better. If I don't lift, my joints hurt. If I lift too much, too often, my joints hurt. And so there's a sweet spot for me. And my coach is aware of this. And we work together to keep me in a in an aesthetically pleasing place where my clothes fit nicely, but also strong and capable and durable and resilient. That's the most critical part. Muscle mass is a, a suit of armor of resilience. Okay, so what about cardio? A lot of people ask me, what about cardio? Cardio is, I used to dismiss it when I was younger because I hated it. And I grew up in the 80s. We were all cardio bunnies. You know, we, we just cardio, cardio, cardioed all day. And as, well, just do this. Go to the gym, if the gyms are open where you live, and look at the people on the cardio machines. It, it, they do not generally have the body composition that I, I find most appealing. I would prefer the body composition of most of the people who are over in the strength training area, in the weight area, the free weight area. Um, I tend, I, I'm not a, I don't want to be a big old bulky meathead, but it's very difficult to become a big old bulky meathead. That's definitely a genetic thing and also a testosterone thing. Most women cannot get bulky even if they tried, unless you're pigging out on carbohydrates and you get thick. Um, which is a look that some people want also. So whatever floats your boat, I personally like the I like the look of those who are over in the weight area, body composition wise. And the reason being is I understand the health benefits of that body composition. <clears throat> over on the cardio machine is people usually slugging away, hoping for some kind of weight loss, and and you know bless them. I am with them too, but I have always. I've hated cardio. I did way too much of it in the 80s and 90s. And then I really turned my back on it. In recent years, I'm coming back to it. Uh, The reason being is it does lube up the joints nicely. It allows me to get a sweat on, which feels really good. And it gives me some mobility in my spine that I just don't find elsewhere. And I'm enjoying my Peloton bike. Uh, I enjoy walks quite a bit. I'll get back to walking in a second here. But I do think if you if you enjoy cardio, great. Do not rely on cardio solely for your body composition. If you want to change your body composition, strength training is where it's at. And again, strength training, in my opinion, is non-negotiable two to three times a week. Anything else you do is gravy on top of that. Okay, so if at the minimum train two to three times a week with weights and then consider what cardio you're going to add to it. But don't rely on cardio for body composition or weight loss alone. Muscle burns fat. You need to build it. Cardio is not going to build your muscle. As far as, let's back up a second. As far as strength training goes, people often ask, what about body weight? Body weight is challenging for many, especially when they're starting, because holding up your own body weight can be quite challenging. When I was young, I was a gymnast and I had incredible body strength. Uh, for my own body weight, but I don't anymore. And so push-ups, lunges, squats, those can be plenty. And you know, we got to start somewhere. So if it's squatting down to a bench or squatting down to the back of your 
or to a chair, a solid chair, or to the armrest of your couch and tapping your butt against that, then so be it, right? We got to start somewhere. So for many, that's a plenty of a challenge. But I don't want to put this blanket statement on and say, yeah, body weight's enough. I don't always think it is. I think we can get creative. And I think that, you know, uh, doodads like the TRX or any of those suspension systems can be really helpful. So whatever you got, start there, right? And if you can lift all the weights in the world, but you can't do a push-up, well, then you have a problem. And so I think back to the 80s when people used to quote unquote cross-train. I think cross-training means just being eclectic in your movement and exercise so that you hit all the bases. It's not just for professional athletes, right? We all kind of got to do a little bit of stuff. So I think there is some some value to body weight. I do some body weight and I do some weights when I do my quote unquote strength training. So yes, all body weight is not enough. I think you got to get some weights in there and all weights, if you can't hold up your own body weight or maintain your own body weight with a, like I, I am having a challenging time currently with pull-ups. I lost my pull-ups. I had pull-ups. I lost them. I gained them back. I lost them again. So these are examples of body weight. So, you know, you, we got to be able to do it all. And I think most important, whether you're lifting weights or you're doing body weight, is learning how to use your body tension, like really learning how to create tension in your body throughout your whole body. That is the ticket. Learning control and tension. And if you have a coach that's good, that's worth their weight in salt, they'll teach you this and you'll eventually gain it. Not being able to create tension and that cylinder of uh, support in your core when you're lifting heavier weights, you're going to hurt yourself. And so this is, again, where a coach comes in very handy. And I think that you can get a lot done if you can create a tremendous amount of tension, which takes me to my next point. Well, can I use small weights versus large weights? I think there is benefit to both, but I think being able to lift heavy does different things than lifting light. And when you can create a high amount of tension, you can lift lighter weights with really good benefits because the tension itself creates a dynamic, which is conducive to muscle growth. The um, eccentric or, you know, there's the flexing motion and then the eccentric motion. And an example would be, you know, bicep curl. When you curl your bicep or you bring your hand towards your shoulder, that's the concentric. And then the eccentric is when you straighten it back out. There's a lot of benefit in that eccentric. And so there's some schools of thought where you're just doing all eccentrics and you're doing it slow under a high level of tension. Tremendous results happen that way for not only your joints, but your muscles. So it's all over the board. The point is, is you got muscle, you got to use it and you got to build it and you got to keep it. I don't care how you get that done. So it's not all three pound dumbbells and it's not all 300 pound barbells, right? It's where are you at? And when I started strength training, I was really, really skinny and really, really weak. And I thought I was going to shatter if I fell down. I was in my 30s, my late 30s. And I thought, you know, if I fall down right now, I'm going to shatter into a million, million pieces. And so I started strength training where I started to where I am now is night and day, but it took me years to get here. My body composition really doesn't look that different, but my strength is tremendously better. My control of, over my body is better. The ability to build tension and keep it is better. You know, there's a myriad of other benefits, but there's that. And then as I said with cardio, <clears throat> if you like cardio, great. Uh, being a cardio bunny and trying to strength train in the same session, I think you're probably going to inhibit some muscle growth. But that said, if you want to do 20 minutes warm up, 20 minutes at the end, 
and you're not crushing it too hard on the treadmill, you know, do it. Whatever floats your boat, whatever you can get in. I'm all about efficiency. And so I like strength training because I get the most bang for my buck in the shortest amount of time. Whereas to get the same kind of benefit calorically on a burn, which calories, burning calories are never my concern. And that's, we can, I can talk about that at a different point. But a calorie is not a calorie. <laughs> it's not, I don't get on the treadmill and think I got to burn 300 calories because I just ate a cookie. That is the wrong mindset. I get on the treadmill because I'm trying to get movement in, I'm trying to get fluid pumping, and I'm trying to get a cardiovascular stoke. And really, I'm trying to get a sweat on. And I'm trying to off gas some energy or some steam. So looking at cardio as adjunctive and a bonus to your strength training which takes me to HIT high intensity interval training. I don't love a ton of HIT and the reason why is because I think that most people that I have encountered at least and maybe this is just my clinical practice had some level of adrenal compromise. And so a lot of high intensity interval training can be way too intense and it's like 30 seconds you know, on, 10 seconds off for 20 minutes. That's crazy and it's very intense and it would have me on the floor in a puddle of sweat and I wouldn't be able to get up for an hour and I'd have to take a nap. That is not the goal. The goal is to always leave your training sessions refreshed, not exhausted. You want to have one in the tank. You know, if you're like in strength training in the kettlebell world of smart or a strong first, they say leave one in the tank, right? You want to be able to have some reserve still in the tank. We're trying to build resiliency and strength, not totally exhaust our system. I'm not a huge fan of Orange Theory. I'm not a huge fan of boot camps where they just leave you, you know, sweated out and spent. That's not the goal. If you're 20 and you have good adrenals, awesome. But when you're most of my audience, I think, is probably somewhere in the, you know, 30s to more notably in the middle age group. And I would encourage you at any age to do exercise that's tonifying. And so high, high, high intensity hit is not it. The way that I do hit and the way that I found works best for my patients and best for myself and those of us who have my adrenals are dust. <laughs> They, they sit atop my kidneys as dust. They're better than they used to be when I was in clinical practice. Uh, so I've, you know, I've since leaving practice, things have improved for sure. But this is how I do high intensity interval training. I set the timer for about 10 to 12 minutes. I don't actually worry about the timer so much. Here's what I do. I get on my bike or I get on my treadmill. I ride for about three minutes. That's my warm up until I am feeling it. You know what I'm talking about. There's a moment, it may take five to eight minutes, but all of a sudden I'm feeling it. And I'm just lollygagging. I'm just cruising. I'm not, I'm not at a high level. I'm not at a high incline. I'm not at a high speed. I'm just like, do do do, trying to get myself moving, get my juices flowing, get the creaks out of my joints. Then I go into my intervals. My intervals are going to be 30 seconds on, 90 seconds off. 30 seconds on, 90 seconds off. And I'm going to do an interval maybe three to six times. If I'm really feeling crazy, I might go eight rounds, but that's a lot. That's really pushing it. All in all, with a three-minute warm-up, several rounds of intervals, and usually about six, and a three-minute cool-down, two to three-minute stroll, again, like I'm strolling in the park with my sweetie, it takes me about 12, 15 minutes. That's my high intensity. I do that maybe once or twice a week. It depends on your fat loss goals. 
I would encourage you to use high intensity interval training as a tool, but do not overdo it and do not rely on it because it can be quite exhaustive for people. And there's patients I've had where strength training was all they could do. The cardio part, the high intensity interval training, anything too metabolic was just way too much. And here's the reason. If your adrenals and your thyroid and your endocrine system is very, very taxed and you are doing high intensity, high metabolic stuff, you're actually potentially going to get fatter. You're going to gain more fat around your waist because you're cranking your cortisol. This is where a lot of middle-aged women sit. They come into the clinic and they're like, but I'm doing all this CrossFit. I'm doing all this stuff. Why am I not losing weight? And in fact, maybe they're gaining weight. And I tell them to do less and they look at me like I'm insane. But more is not better here. Strategic quality is better than more. So sometimes we got to dial back the, the metabolic stuff and the oxidative stuff. I'll get into oxidation in a second, but we don't need to be cranking it at all. On, we don't need to have all the engines revving on high all the time. It's not great for the body. The reason I like strength training for this is because you can literally go in, even if you have POTS, postural ortho, or orthostatic hypertension, um, hypotension, sorry. Basically, you get dizzy upon standing. You've got some adrenal issues. That strength training is awesome for that because you can, strength training comes in sets and reps. And you're going to do however many sets of however many reps, meaning maybe you do five sets of five or five reps of five and you do five sets of that. So it's called a five by five. It's five reps of the exercise with rest periods in between and you do five sets of that. That might be too much for, for me some days. I might do three sets of five reps. I might change the weight. I might change the tension that I'm creating. I, there's so many variables I can control now that I can really dial it in and make it individual for myself. This is important because I might lie down between sets. I might do five deadlifts and I will lie down in between and suck on my salt rock or take some salt, drink some water and really give myself a rest period. I'm not going to tell you how long to rest between sets. That's up to you and your coach. But if you've got severe adrenal dysfunction or hormonal imbalances and you're just like, I am so freaking exhausted, I don't know how I'm going to do this, take the longer rest periods between sets. And that's the beauty of strength training. You can lie down. I used to have to lie down and my coach didn't like, she was like, what is going on here? And I said, I just got to lie down between sets. That's the way it goes. And I built up my reserve. I built up my vitality. So that's not as much of an issue anymore, unless I've been really stressed or sick. So take your rest periods and use them to rejuvenate yourself between your sets. And that is why strength training is so awesome. That is why high intensity intervals are lovely because you could do just a couple intervals. You could get yourself lubed up, moving, you know, getting juicy. And then you do maybe three intervals and then you are done. Maybe that's all you can handle that day. So I want to encourage you to push yourself, but also understand that you may have some limitations. Don't let that keep you at a zero speed. Let that encourage you to use exercise to your benefit. We want to come out feeling better than we went in. We went into it. We don't want to come out and have to go take a nap. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I pushed it too hard. I got to go lie down. And then I go lie down. The magic 
in any of this is in the rest and refeed. It's not the lift, 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 lift. It's the periods in between the exercise where we give our body time to rest and rejuvenate. That's how hormesis works. Hormesis is this concept where small incremental bits of stress on our bodies, on our central nervous system, and then being allowed to rest and refeed and rehydrate that's where the magic happens. Your muscle building happens in the rest period, not when you're breaking the muscle down during the strength training exercises. It's very important. Most people miss this. I miss this. If you're type A, you're going to want to go to the gym all the time. And when I ask people on my Instagram, like, what's your favorite way to exercise? I am in disbelief how hard people work out and how often. It really boggles me. <laughs> like, it's either Americans have it in their head to either be at zero or be at like 60 miles per hour. And I usually train at like a good 45 miles per hour if I could put a speed on it, anywhere between 25 to 65 miles per hour. Eh, no, I would say 25 to 55, maybe on a on a big, big day. I'm usually chilling. I still get good results. I still have great um, tenacity and good body composition. And it all is dependent on how my joints are feeling how my sleep is. I wear an aura ring. I'm not a distributor for them. I don't have any affiliation, but I do wear my aura ring because it tells me when I train too hard. It tells me when I hit it too hard. It tells me when my sleep was off. And those two variables are my heart rate variability and my sleep. That It tells me a lot. And so I like to track that in conjunction with my strength training and with my exercise habits. All right, so we've covered strength training, we've covered high-intensity interval training, we've covered cardio. I want to talk a little bit about oxidation while we're here. People who love to run a million miles a week or cycle a million miles a week, that's cool, but I'll tell you what, straight up, all of the patients I've had, all of them, when I looked at their labs, their labs looked like crap. When they were marathon runners or like high-level or long-distance cyclers, their labs looked like crap. They all had some level of low-grade metabolic syndrome going on. The reason being, I think, might have been their dietary habits, might have been their alcohol habits. I don't know, but I think it's a combination of all of the above plus oxidation. Oxidation is where you uh, you rust. <laughs> so if you are driving that engine, if you're revving that engine too hard, too often, too long, you're going to be in a pro-oxidative state. That's not a great place cellularly. It's certainly not a great place with something like COVID going around. Now, I'm not as concerned about Omicron by any means. If you've listened to any of my content, you know that I'm not that concerned about Omicron. There's the 2.0 variant that's come out. Uh, not concerned about that either. I'm really not concerned about Deltacron. I think the news is just using that to continue to add, you know, scare tactics. We call it a scariant, right? The new scariant. But we don't want to be in a pro-oxidative state because that does make us vulnerable to just about anything that comes along, including propensity towards cancers and, you know, inflammation and inflammatory, you know, uh, chronic degenerative diseases due to inflammation. We don't want that. We don't want to be in a pro-inflamed state because we put ourselves there through exercise. Exercise is supposed to be tonifying, not breaking us down. And so take a good hard look as to why you might be a super duper long distance runner or a super duper long distance cycler. I don't know if it's serving you as well as you think it is. Uh, I have encountered some ultra marathon runners and they just seem to be cut from a different cloth <laughs> and they seem to be doing okay on the outside. I didn't have a chance to look at their labs. I had one ultra marathon runner who I ran his labs on. He was definitely oxidized. He had inflammation in his in his system. So just some some food for thought. 
because I get that question a lot, like, why don't we want to be running so much or cycling so much? It's because I, I do believe it puts most people in a pro-oxidative state. All of this is very much contingent on how you eat. So what you're ingesting in your mouth is going to dictate really how a lot of this plays out for you. So let's talk about walking. I didn't used to put much emphasis in walking, but I think that walking is incredible. I feel so much better when I walk regularly. I live in a place where it's rainy and muddy. And so my outdoor walking has, it gets significantly um, reduced in the winter, which sucks. And I have a treadmill, which you think I would use, but I, I don't love walking on it and then staring out the window. That actually makes me more sad when the skies are gray. But regardless, I think walking is incredible. When I When it's sunny out or decently weather, you know, the weather's semi-decent, or I'm traveling and I'm in a warmer locale. I love walking and I love walking and walking and walking. And I don't do these full on sprints. I'm a pretty fat, I have a pretty fast clip. My husband is awesome. He likes to walk fast too. There's actually some studies showing that people who walk fast live longer, healthier lives, and people who walk more slowly um, might be indicative of some brain atrophy. So I, I, truly cannot stand slow walkers. <laughs> I've dated a few and they let me know every time that it was not cool that I was walking faster than them. But I don't know if that was, I don't know what that was about, but uh, I like to walk fast and my husband likes to walk fast with me. But we really do kind of lollygag. We'll stop, we'll look around, we might do some squats, we might kiss and hug. I don't know. It's a leisure walk. It's not a like, let's go crush it on the exercise. We're just kind of putting in some paces and getting our brains turned on. I think it's a great way to process thoughts and ideas and uh, much like sleeping on it, you know, when it's whenever I'm trying to make a decision about something, I like to sleep on it. I really like to do deadlifts. I, if I have to make a hard decision, I like to do some deadlifts and sleep on it. And that usually gives me a lot of clarity in the morning. But walking can be phenomenal. I think that if all therapists actually took their clients walking instead of doing therapy on a couch, they'd get better results. But so never underestimate the power of walking. And I think a daily leisure walk can be profound. The other thing is, is it just it contributes to your non-exercise energy expenditure, right? It's, it just gets that, it's not so much a caloric burn, it just kind of stokes the engine a little bit, stokes the fire a bit more. And so continuing, that's the other reason I like the aura ring is it tracks my steps. And that's very telling. On days when I only get, you know, five, 6,000 steps, I feel like crap. But when I get my 10,000 steps in plus, I feel better. So walking is lovely. If you have a dog, it's even more lovely. And I will, I will leave you with that thought because I think that everybody as a human being should be ambulating on the regular. I think they should be adding muscle mass to their bodies as an insurance policy. I think that getting some sweat and some metabolic output is key. So this is where cardio and high intensity interval training come in. I prefer high intensity interval training over cardio, but sometimes just getting on my Peloton and rocking out to a few songs at the same rate is a nice little cardio boost. I, my brain feels better. It turns on. I get a little sweat on. I just feel better. Uh, my you know depression lifts, my brain fog lifts, and all is better in the world. If you would like to hear more of my thoughts around exercise, I've got a couple further episodes on this podcast you can listen to that I've recorded going backwards. Uh, episode 27, Don't Be Zombie Bait. It's all about frailty and what frailty can do to you, which I think is critical. Extra, or I'm sorry, episode 18 is about exercise being protective against COVID. And in fact, a study just came out 
at the end of February showing that exercise showed a 42% efficacy protecting against COVID, severe COVID and death. The vaccine as it stands, and a study came out in March showing that the vaccine after six months uh, only has about an 8% efficacy against Omicron. And you've heard my past episodes where I've talked about Omicron. There's a couple episodes in here. I think it's 30 and 31 about Omicron. The vaccine isn't really working against it so well. Um, And that's just straight up data. You can see the studies on those episodes. And then episode 12, how to gain muscle in a safe way with coach uh, Tony Gracia. I think that's a great episode to take a listen to. We talk all about how you can get started with strength training, why it's so important to have a coach and have someone guide you so that you can do it safely because we want to be doing this for the long haul, you guys. This isn't about right now. I mean, right now it's nice because we know that exercise is so protective against COVID. I'm telling you, and I've been saying it from the beginning, I've been called ableist. I've been called all kinds of names for saying it. I will not stop saying it. Exercise is hands down the best prevention against everything that you can do against everything, including cancer. So keeping your muscle mass up is so critical when it comes to combating chronic degenerative disease. It, if you do end up with some kind of chronic disease like cancer, your chances of surviving it are higher if you go into it with high muscle mass. And COVID is a wasting condition. And most viruses, I will tell you, are. Most upper respiratory viruses, at least in my experience, both personally and professionally, have shown me that, uh, and it doesn't just have to be upper respiratory, you know, respiratory viruses, uh, cytomegalovirus and some of the herpes viruses, wasting. They cause this low-grade inflammation that causes a wasting phenomenon. I completely lost my butt when I got COVID. I mean, I was 10 days in and I was like, where is my ass? <laughs> it was gone. It was flat as a pancake. And, and it was, you know, like all the strength in it was gone. And I watched it waste friends and family. So we want to go into all of these things with a suit of armor. And that's where our muscle mass comes in. All the rest of it's gravy. I, do, I would say this, if you want to run, running can be very very challenging. Uh, That's a lot of downward gravity on your joints. You've got to earn your running, meaning you've got to have good strength and control in your joints before you start running. A lot of people, when they decide to lose weight, go out running. And I see, and I want to high five them because they're putting out effort, but I see some very obese people running. And I can tell it's like their first, or maybe it's their 10th day out on this. But it is, that's a lot of weight to be throwing down on your knees and hips, especially if you're more in my age category, because there's going to be some degeneration already occurring in those joints. It's just naturally occurring. Um, obesity really speeds that up, of course. And then who knows what someone's dietary habits have been all of these years, which really, I mean, I, I do think that joint degeneration is more of a metabolic issue of the joint than it is anything else. And so you compound all that and then they go out running and then they get hurt. So I would highly encourage anybody who's trying to lose weight, who maybe has quite a bit of adipose on their frame to start with strength training because the muscle, even while you're sleeping, will be burning the fat. The bonus of strength training is you get a metabolic afterburn. When you are doing just cardio, the only burn you get is during the exercise. But with muscle and strength training, you get that metabolic afterburn that lasts the rest of your day. So it's the most bang for the buck and easily the safest way to get started when you're trying to lose weight. And then as some of the adipose comes off and your frame gets a bit lighter, the running can be added in and running is earned. 
Just remember that. <laughs> don't, don't just, you know, if you haven't exercised in 20 years or 10 years, don't just start out by going on a run. The chances of you ripping a labrum in your hip or damaging your knee or having a foot injury are very, very high. The other thing to consider as a person who specialized in orthopedic conditions and rebuilding people's joints for a living through regenerative injection therapies, I'm also a chiropractor. I can tell you that ligaments and tendons, they they start to lose their integrity as we age and as we are inactive and deconditioned. And so where those muscles attach to bones and where the ligaments attach to bones become compromised when they're not used and they're not strengthened. When we do strength training, we actually create some tension on that area. It's called the enthesis where ligament or tendon meets bone. It's a highly innervated area. It can hurt quite a bit. This is why you could easily injure yourself if you don't get a coach or start low and slow and know what you're doing and have good form and good control. That enthesis will start to get more durable as it's used. So as that muscle contracts and pulls on the bone, if we do it in a strategic way and in a controlled way, um, you really can get some good integrity there at that spot. So you're spot welding your, your, your ligaments and tendons. You're spot welding your muscles to your bones. You're strengthening your ligaments and tendons. And then you can build upon that. That's why we want to build gradually. When you start strength training with a good coach, it's going to seem very, very boring. And you're going to be like, why can't I lift the heavy weights? Well, you haven't earned it yet. You're not there yet. And so think of this journey and this process as something where you're really putting some good um, time into strengthening those enthesis areas. Because now conversely, most people go out for a jog, right? They go out for a jog. They're like, I haven't exercised in 20 years. And they put on some old beat up shoes that have no support. And they go out for a jog. And what do they do? They end up with tremendous ligamentous injuries. They rip tendon or ligament off bone. My husband just did it. He was deadlifting way too much for way too long. He took some of my pre-lift in my store. I have a product called pre-lift, which is amazing. It's awesome for mitochondrial support. It's got some good naturally occurring caffeine in a crystallized form that slow releases. And it's awesome. It makes your brain turn on. It makes, I use it even outside of exercise, but he took a lot of pre-lift. I usually suggest half a scoop. I think he took a whole scoop and he went downstairs and was just cranking out deadlifts for way too long. I even came down and I'm like, what are you doing? Like the weights are clanging down here for way too long. This is too long of a workout. And he ended up hurting his enthesis. He tore a little bit of, he got a little tear in one of his gluteal attachments. Thankfully, I was able to do prolotherapy and inject him within the first week of the injury. And it's it literally healed it and it's gone. But uh, that kind of thing can be very naggy and enduring. It's very painful to have those kinds of injuries. And that's what usually derails people. They do too much too soon, whether it's running or lifting or whatever. And it's too heavy, it's too much, and they hurt themselves. And then they get a naggy injury that really can hurt for a long time, if not forever. And then they quit lifting, which is not what I want for you. I want you to commit to the process of having this become a lifestyle and something that you do for longevity, for endurance for resiliency as we move forward. So I will leave you with that. If you guys have any questions or comments for the podcast, please email us at podcast at drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A. And let me know. I can always do a part two of this. And definitely I'm going to come back and talk about how muscle is indeed medicine in the near future. As always, I appreciate if you would head over to your favorite podcast player. I am a little, uh, 
inclined to request the Apple podcast, if you could rate, review, and subscribe, it helps my numbers, which is great and gives me an ego boost, of course. But more importantly, as it ranks, it allows others to see the podcast and listen to the podcast. And I'm always trying to deliver on the truth and keep you updated on what's going on. And so the more people that can hear the truth, I think right now, the better off we would all be. So please head to your favorite podcast player and rate, review, and subscribe. If you're interested in checking out the pre-lift that I talked about in this episode, you can head over to my store at store.drtina.com. You can use the coupon code prelift 10 that will give you 10% off my entire store. Check out the pre-lift. It seems like it's a little spendy, but the jug lasts forever. I, I have had the same jug for well over a year now. I love it. We use it, like I said in the episode, we use it for pre-lift. We use it for, I got to turn my brain on. I use it in the afternoon sometimes instead of a cup of coffee. It's just got a really nice naturally burning caffeine crystal in it. And it's got a variety of other nutraceuticals in there that are beneficial for mitochondrial support. And so I, I should have called it maybe something different. So people didn't just think it was for meatheads to go to the gym, (laughs) but it's a wonderful product and you can get 10% off that product plus my entire store by using coupon code PRELIFT10, all one word, over at store.drtina.com. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.